Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 83 at Streets and Eats. And today we are going to be having a first-timer's guide to Seattle. One of our favorite, favorite cities. You can probably guess it's our kind of our personality. Welcome to Streets and Eats, the travel and food podcast dedicated to taking our listeners to the sights, sounds, and flavors of fascinating places near and far, both on and off the beaten path. We're Jim and Corinne Vale, and we've been traveling internationally and domestically together for decades, visiting more than 90 countries in all 50 states in the USA. We'll share all of the local knowledge and food expertise we've gathered through years of living as expats in Asia and Europe, as well as traveling with families spanning multiple generations around the world. Join us each week for a new adventure. It looks like it's time for a trivia question, Jim. Are you ready? This is a hard one. I'm going to warn you. Oh, well, given my past experience with your trivia questions maybe i should start thinking of more trivia questions maybe you should maybe that's a good idea (laughs) it's the safest bet for me anyway that's right i mean who cares if i look silly (laughs) i'll give it a shot though all right so seattle has a very washington state has a very long tradition of lumberjacks oh sure and tree cutting and managing forests and So they developed a term way back in lumberjack times that has become a term that is maybe a little bit derogatory, a little bit negative, but it's a term that, you know, around the turn of the century started becoming popular and has then pretty much taken off and people use it, I would say quite quite a bit. Can you think of any terms that might have had a lumberjack origin that would come from the hipster vibe of Seattle? Well, let me think about this for a minute. Like lumberjacks, I think of flapjacks and... Flapjacks? That they, sort of thing. Pancakes has nothing to do with it, but yeah, yeah I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, And camps where they would all live. Hmm. And the camps, that might have so a think, little bit to I, do I'm with it. I think the camps are going to be where these terms would come from. I, I think you might be right. Maybe like a, oh, what's the term for someone who's a newbie? Mm. A greenback or something mm. like that? No? Hmm. Is it to describe a person? Nowadays it is not. I don't think it was ever to describe a oh, person. No. Uh, so I'm on the wrong track then. Talking about the camps and the squalor and the mud and hmm. So where could I go from there? Where, oh, where could you go from there? I don't. I'm. I think I'm definitely stumped on this one. I okay, don't even really so know I will give you a it. hint. Okay, I'm good. Gonna, I'm going to give you a hint. So the reason it became it came from lumberjacks is that the tree fellers would load the logs up on basically a sleigh, mm-hmm. um, and the sleigh would go on a path through a gravel road, which still exists today, but we didn't have very good tires and ways to get across those. So what they did was they would slicken the sled trails with baking grease all the way back to the camp. Is this like greasing the palms? Well, it's like greasing the track and it has nothing to do with greasing the palms. (laughs) Well, that was my guess, I guess. I really don't know. I'm stumped on this one. Okay. I thought you were going to get it because you had the word squalid. Yeah. And that's part of it? Uh, Well, I mean, the word isn't part of it, but the The idea idea is part of it. All right. Give it to me. All right. I lose this one. You lose. Well, I think you've lost. If we were keeping score. No, I got one in Vietnam for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's my point. You may have gotten one. <laughs> All right. So lumberjacks, as you mentioned, the camps 
I told you that the way this term developed was from greasing the path. Right. They called it Skid Row. Skid Row. And then they went, of course, to the camps where people didn't have a whole lot of money. And then taking it even further, we had the Great Depression. Right. So during the Great Depression, the term was then taken from all those people who would describe lots of U.S. cities and towns where they had fallen on hard times. And so... They would have like soup kitchens on Skid Row and like it became a, a very common common term for basically people who lived on the other side of the quote unquote track. Right, right. And were, you know, down on their luck. They didn't have any money. They were unemployed and they had lots of problems. That and in is fact, interesting. I did not know that came from and in fact, lumberjacks. We still use the word, you know, when you have something happening like that, hit the skids. Right. So because you're hitting the skids on skid row. Right. I thought that was a pretty interesting, I, I love linguistics a little bit. Yeah, and I, I love I, word origins and yeah. especially uh, where old phrases like that come from. And I just thought that was a pretty cool one. So anyway, yeah. Take it for what it is. Well, you didn't get it. Boom. Seattle's not really much of a lumberjack city anymore, the, but they, you don't need to travel far. I was going to say to get to the forest and where they're actually still and in fact, lumbering I think wood or cutting wood. One of the big draws of Washington State, and of course Seattle being the largest and most accessible city, is the life outdoors. Yeah, for hiking sure. and kayaking and mountaineering and sledding and skiing and you name it <laughs> you yeah, get to do it there you can do right there in the city oh my gosh on the waterways I mean, one of the things that i lanes. always found biking yeah one of the things i always found really interesting is the people who like we lived in tacoma so right down there along the water people would take their kayaks in the most industrial parts yeah. and get in there of course i mean it was only industrial for you know what the equivalent of maybe a block or two. Right. Far less than a kilometer. Five minutes of kayaking. Yeah. And then they were on to that beautiful area. But it just always kind of surprised me. I'm like, you're putting your kayak in here? Okay. Well, maybe one of the reasons I didn't really get the skid row, I didn't really think about how they transport the logs out of the mountains. But one of the things that you do see when you're in Seattle, especially when you get on the ferries and you go out to the different islands or some of the different spots, they are still transporting logs, but on the water now. So they'll take like huge islands of cut logs, chain them all together, mm -hmm. and then barge, it becomes its own little barge and they'll float it and they'll just take it off to the mill. Where yeah, that's really cool. It. I love seeing that as well. So every now and then as you're cruising around on the waterways, you'll see like random logs that have broken free and are just floating around. I guess they don't need the bacon grease in the water. Hopefully they won't put any out there. Well, I don't think they use bacon grease anymore anyway. No, but, that was a long time ago. But um, it, it was kind of an innovative way. You figure people needed lots of protein and fat to make it in such a hard environment to begin with. And then to use that, that you know, it's it's like upcycling. Yeah, that's or recycling. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so there's, yeah, it's you a good city a of, for that kind of stuff. You have to eat a lot of bacon to make it worth the while for that, though. I'm but sure they is, did. It is called the Emerald City and it's called the Emerald City because it's so green and there are so many trees and it's so beautiful and it's outdoorsy. So I think I think it's an apt uh, trivia question. Anyway, getting back to, well, you know, why do we love Seattle and why should people visit Seattle and why is Seattle such a cool ass city? Well, it's a big city, but it really 
has a small city charm to it, I think, because it's got different pockets of different things everywhere. You got the university area that's just a beautiful area, and it's got a lot of energy, but it's also pretty laid back. I think the whole city is pretty laid back. Maybe if you're like a businessman in the downtown area working, you won't feel laid back all the time, but you don't get, you don't have to go far to get away from the skyscrapers downtown and just be in a beautiful neighborhood that's got its own little charm, like Fremont or... And I would say the downtown area with the skyscrapers and the whole business vibe is still cool compared to other cities. Like it's still, you know, I mean, every other shop or corner, you've got a coffee, whether you've got... Okay, so Seattle's the first place that I ever really noticed coffee trailers. You know how you have the coffee trailer where you have a little drive through and it's a little basically it's just a little stand and you can drive on both sides and get a coffee and i mean that's dangerous making lattes and espressos so dangerous because not dangerous physically dangerous just well i guess after a while of latte after latte that could be physically dangerous too but basically it's just like (laughs) so easy to do and it's it's just so much part of the culture that coffee culture is everywhere but the other thing about the emerald city because it's green, even in the downtown, in the business district, it's leafy, it's green. It's just a beautiful city everywhere you go. And the water's not far ever. And it's just so, what's the word? Like cool. You know, there's <laughs> artwork. I, I hate to use that word. It's so generic, but it is and cool weather-wise, but it's also, it's just got, you know, it, you said there's leaves, but there's coffee, but there's, you know, that feeling of walking around and you know, a metropolis that is just fun to be in. Yeah. You know, the food is good. The people are friendly. I love it. Um, there's beautiful views, plenty of nature, waterways, tons of waterways. The the seafood. Seafood. Mm. Amazing. It is it's been the seafood capital of probably the United States. I mean the Northeast does a lot of seafood too, but in the West especially, it's been a seafood capital for a couple hundred years. It's also got, of course, Music. It's well known for its music. Uh, That's well known. Where grunge came from, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, all those people. Uh, and that still exists today. It's got great nightlife. It's just an excellent place to hang out day there, or night. There are so many places that you just go in and they have live music and, you know, it, it sets the tone, <laughs> so to speak. World class sports. If you're into sports, the Seahawks, the new ice hockey team, the Kraken are there. That's such a great name, isn't it's it? The such Kraken. a good name. Such a good name. Tends to do, tends to do, tends to see, tends to experience. And that's just Seattle. That's not even the greater Washington area. Well, in history too. It just kind of grew up overnight during the Klondike gold rush. Gold rush, yeah. When people were trying to get up to the fields, that was the place where you would catch the boat to head north. And the city just like Blossomed. exploded. Yeah. So that's got a, it's really got that cool history too. So getting there, I mean, there are lots of ways to get there. Probably the most common is flying into SeaTac. Mm-hmm. SeaTac is the airport. It means Seattle, Tacoma. And it's so funny because Seattle is north and Tacoma is south of the airport. Seattle has this, you know, stunning reputation and Seattle's like it's, it's in Tacoma. Redheaded stepchild. Tacoma's Tacoma's it's redheaded, it's redheaded stepchild. Child. That's a good way of putting it. It is. And Although I, Tacoma has made a lot of progress has. over the last decade or two. And we actually live there because it's a it's got the same a lot of the same benefits of living in Seattle, but a fraction of the cost. Right. <laughs> For living. 
for a living. Mm-hmm. But for visiting, you want to go to Seattle for and sure. Tacoma. Go to both. Anyway, but we're talking about Seattle today. So you fly into SeaTac. Uh, yeah, uh, to me, that's always been kind of a misnomer name. SeaTac, Seattle, Tacoma. It's not in Seattle and it's not in Tacoma. You have to travel to get to that airport to get to either from wherever you're at. It's like 45 minutes to an hour from Tacoma. And it's probably 35 to 40 minutes to anywhere in Seattle that you want to go. Depending on traffic. This is where traffic it really could be two hours. Yeah. Traffic on the I-5 in Seattle can get really horrendous. But what Seattle has going for it that a lot of other big cities don't necessarily have in the United States, it has really good accessible public transportation. Yeah, And getting to the airport, you can do that. Whether you do take a bus, shuttle type of thing, which they have plenty of them, or there is a light rail to various places, both north and south. So that makes it really simple to get to get somewhere easier to get to, if nothing else. Yeah, and it's cheap. The public it, transportation there is like $3 for a ride. Yeah, it's, it's well worth doing. And it's just, I mean, dealing with airport traffic is just not worth it. <laughs> and they are constantly working on that light rail expanding it to the north, expanding it to the south. So while you can't get to Tacoma directly on the light rail right now, you will in the future. It's just a matter of time. But Seattle, for sure, there's three or four stops right downtown that depending on where you're staying, like I said, three bucks, 35 minutes, you definitely don't need to worry about the traffic if you take the light rail. So that's really the best way to go. The other way people are going to get to Seattle, of course, is driving. It's like on a road trip. We've done so many road trips that... Either go through Seattle or, in our case, we used to live near there. So, you know, we would start or or end there. But the I-5, as I already mentioned, huge. It goes even north of Seattle all the way to the Canadian border. But it's, it's I mean, it's a huge byway. And then there's the Pacific, Pacific Coast, Coast Highway, Highway, which is highway beautiful. It actually ends in Olympia. Olympia. But a lot of people will tell you that the Pacific Coast Highway then continues on I-5 heading north because I-5 starts to hug the coast a little bit more at that point. And there is no other coastal highway. It's just I-5. And I would say if you're driving the PCH, the Pacific Coast Highway, and you get to Olympia, uh, take the time to spend a few days in Seattle. My gosh, it's, you know, another hour up the road, Max. Definitely. Uh, Heading from the east, I-90 is the interstate that goes across the northern United States, I think all the way to Boston. And it's a fun interstate to drive as well. We've done that a number of times. The only thing that is a little bit frightening on the I-90 is, boy, that those Continental Divides, those Rocky Mountains oh. there at the top of the United States, they are some high mountains. So if I were coming in the winter, I might choose a more southerly route. But if you go anywhere when it's not snow season <laughs> or ice season, then I-90 is just gorgeous. It's pretty good. I mean, it is gorgeous. So the thing to consider but about having I-5, a major interstate, and I-90 all meet right there, and they do meet right there in the city, is that traffic in Seattle can, can just be, be horrendous, especially on the highways. But you get off the highways, it's not so bad. That's true. All right. So I said earlier that getting around isn't so bad. I mean, it's easy to drive. The problem is like any other big city, if you're going to drive in Seattle, you're going to pay for parking. And you're looking at, you know, some sometimes like 20, 25 bucks a day. And at least, yeah. Yeah. And it can get expensive quick. So I think it's a much better idea to try and stay outside the city a lot of times and then just bus or um, take a bus in because there's 
once you get to the downtown, there's staircases, there's escalators, there's the light rail, like Jim mentioned. There's even a monorail to the, the Space Needle That's and right. everything. So there's just lots of ways to get around once you're in the city. It's, it's, it's quite walkable in that way. So... I don't know. I mean, there. I mean, staying in Seattle is magical too. So you, you know, I would say that you could do it one way or the other. But if you are going to stay in Seattle with your car, the good thing about that is you can just park it and still take the public park it at transportation the hotel around. And take public transportation for sure. That's the best and way to go. And you still have, and you still have your car for when you want to go a little bit further afield. So one thing that I really like about the parking in Seattle is that in most of the street parking is the street parking is free until like eight o'clock in the morning. It's like from eight to six, you have to pay for it. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm not sure about the cutoff time. I think it's like six o'clock or it might be eight o'clock, depending on which zone you're in. And that's a good way to do it too, just to get going in the morning and like see a couple of sites in the morning. If you just want to get out and take pictures, the traffic is really good. I I drove around there one day from like six o'clock to eight o'clock. I just pull up in front of Pike's place. Yeah. It's not open for business, but it's still that iconic you know, Pike, Pike Place, Place Market sign, sign mm-hmm. and there's people out there unloading produce and fish, and it's just really a cool thing to do. And you can just like stop right in a parking spot, get out, take some pictures, chat with some people, grab a coffee, get back in your car, and on to the next place. That's a really cool morning thing to do. Yeah. And I think that's a good hint for anyone, for really anywhere too, but Seattle is a good example of it where get up early, get up before breakfast and go out and take some photos and just sort of explore the city when there's not a lot of traffic. And then once the traffic starts, you can, you know, hunker down and eat your breakfast and then pick a few places to go. And then just take public transportation everywhere or walk. Well, and they do have really good public transportation. They don't have like a subway system. They have the light rail that goes north and south. uh, And that's a good way to go for a distance, like to the airport or whatnot. But in the city, it's all buses. Uh, but the buses run pretty regularly. They cover the entire city. So it's really simple to get from point A to point B, even if you have a couple of points in between where you have to change. Um, but it works really good and it's affordable. It's cheap. Cause you especially can, when you're looking at parking places, unless oh, yeah. you have a big family that you're traveling with and it's not really worth it to do it in a different way unless you just, oh, it's up to you, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Well, you can buy an Orca card or you can put an app on your phone to pay as you go. Uh, load up an Orca card with some cash. It costs $3 for the card, but to not have to deal with cash on the bus or anything like that, you just kind of hit and go. That's always a good idea. So one of the, I mean, coffee is a thing there and Starbucks started in Seattle. Now Starbucks, the most famous Starbucks in Seattle area is right across the street from Pike's place. It wasn't actually the first one though. That's a myth. Well, the first that one's has been perpetuate, perpetuated. It is. So I guess it's the nearest to the best thing, but it's still not the very first, just so you know that. Uh, it does have its own Starbucks mug. You know how Starbucks mugs are so popular. Um, this one has one that's kind of a, like a mermaid shape. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> it's cool. It's my favorite mug too, actually, because it's, it's, it's like a really good tea mug because I like to drink a lot of tea, right? So it's a big mug and it's, really well insulated. So it keeps the tea nice and hot. Mm, I like Starbucks coffee. Is it my favorite coffee? Probably not, but I do like that Starbucks mug that we got at that place. Yeah. And, and I would say go to Starbucks. If you're going to go to Starbucks anywhere in the world, go to Starbucks in Seattle. I mean, that's where it originated, but it is 
coffee culture, coffee culture extraordinaire. I mean, there are independents, there are plenty of different franchises, just check out a bunch of them. And that kind of leads me into like eating, because if there's one thing I like to do in Seattle, it's yeah, eat good food. Yeah. That's a good food everywhere you go. Now I almost did this as a trivia question. Okay. And, but I thought it was too easy for you. This is why I didn't do it. But I'm going to ask you now. Let's so see this if is I get kind this of one. like this is like a trivia sub question. The one that's um, supposed to be easy. And oh it's boy. about food, obviously, because we're in the food section of our podcast. But there is a food that originated in Washington, and and what it has done is it has taken over lots of parts of the United States, and people think. It's something else, but it is a through and through Washington food. Do you know what it is? I don't think I do. Oh, you do. As soon as I tell uh, you, you'll, you'll be like, you'll oh, tell yeah. Me, I'll be like, well, yeah. Duh. Okay. Well, I'll give you a hint. We lived in Japan. Oh, yeah. Teriyaki. Teriyaki. Okay. Teriyaki. So this is the, the cute story. My mother-in-law comes to visit us. Yeah. And all she wants, and she comes to Japan to visit us. Yeah. In Japan. And all she keeps telling us is she wants to eat teriyaki. And we're like, well, well they do have teriyaki, but, but it's, they don't really. But it's not what you think it is. There's no the restaurant closest... in Japan that is like, this is a teriyaki restaurant because that's not how it works. The closest thing to teriyaki in Japan is when you get um, yakitori and they'll dip the chicken yakitori is like small bits of chicken on a stick that they then grill and then after it's grilled they'll take it sometimes and they'll dip it in a sauce and, and that, that will be a teriyaki-ish is, sauce yeah very similar to teriyaki but there are no teriyaki restaurants no. that that phenomenon and was invented in seattle and, I, I and it that. is you know very japanese-esque Mm-hmm. In that, yes, it's chicken and it's got this and it's a sauce. quote unquote teriyaki sauce and they put it over rice and it's delicious. There's no, there's no arguing there, but you can't just go to any old restaurant in Japan and get quote unquote teriyaki. It's not what you think it's going to be. So that was just always something that was kind of funny for us because we yeah. had lived in Japan for so long and had some, I mean, she wasn't the only one that came and, and said that, but it it's just so funny to me. But you're but right. I really should have got that. There are you really should teriyaki have. joints all over Seattle, all over Washington State, really. And they I'm down everywhere. the coast to a degree, not as yeah, many I as don't Washington. Think they go much further than like Portland, Oregon. But of course, there'll be some outliers everywhere, but mostly in Washington. And it's not like when I first heard of teriyaki chicken, it's actually something that my stepmom used to make when we were kids and it was just like chicken that's baked in the oven and then this brown sugar ginger soy sauce yummy sauce mixture sauce that you glaze it with and it's really delicious um but i just thought of it as the chicken but when you go and you order teriyaki teriyaki chicken if that's what it's what you want to get it's like a plate it, that's the meal teriyaki chicken and it's yeah it's with the rice it's with a salad the whole the shebang and and that's a teriyaki meal but it is not japanese it's no. just japanese-esque yeah. it probably started with japanese immigrants there's, there's a strong did. community there well in general there's a huge asian community there and For that sure. harkens back to the klondike rush again because Gold rush and also their railways 
and the railroads, because that's where a lot of Asian immigrants came and found, they were able to find work. Sure. Well, and it, then it continued on with technology because Seattle is a huge technology place too. Exactly. So there are, I mean, you can find, we also lived in Vietnam. You can find some delicious pho and especially banh mi's and my favorite uh, summer rolls, you know, the fresh rolls mm. that the Vietnamese make. And, and they have full, full little shops that just sell. Like sure. summer rolls, which are some of my favorite because oh, yeah. who, you know, fresh what a rolls. perfect lunch to have, uh, you know, a, a shrimp fresh roll with a little bit of sauce. I mean, it doesn't really, it's, it's light and it's just delicious, delicious. but you can find any kind of Japanese food, um, Chinese food, Thai food, Chinese. What did I, I'm missing some anyway, <laughs> you're missing some Asian, Vietnamese, lots of Asian, Japanese, Korean, tons of Korean restaurant. Yeah, there's a whole quote unquote Korean town. There's a whole Jap Japan town, Chinatown. Mm -hmm. And everywhere you go there, the food is spectacular. We just love it. So, and for us who have lived in, in Asia, we especially love Asian food. So that's one of the things that we love about Ooh, going to my, Seattle. One of the best banh mi's I've ever had outside of Vietnam was actually not in Seattle. It was kind of near the airport which is kind of a good tip. We'll put that restaurant in the show notes, but that was one of the best banh mi's ever. The roasted pork was delicious. The, the French roll was crispy. I'm sure it was made the exact same way they make them in Vietnam. Cause it was very authentic, but you can get great food, great food. Well, and not just Asian food either. Then the other big thing is seafood. Uh, of course, seafood. So one of my favorite places to go is to the fisherman's market. And the Chinook Salmon Restaurant, uh, which is right there at the marketplace. And you can get fish and chips and all that stuff. And you can just take it out and eat right there on the wharf and watch the fishing boats while they're working. But throughout the summer, as the different runs of fish are being caught and brought in, it's very likely that you can go there and find some fresh fish being sold right off the boat. That's my favorite thing about it. And there Fisherman's is one market. of... Seattle's the iconic restaurants there are called Ivers. That's one of the ones that. No, the iconic restaurant at uh, Fishman Center is Chinook. But if you're not going to go, and that's a little bit further out from downtown, if you're looking for seafood right in town, head to the waterfront, and that's where you're going to find Ivars and like the original Ivars, which is now a seafood chain, like a fast food chain around Washington State. But the original Ivars is. It's sit down seafood, sit down restaurant right there on Fisherman's Wharf. There's some other iconic things. I mean, we live there, so we, you know, lots of places that we like to go for food. One of the things that I don't think that people would necessarily think of, but it is amazing, is going to one of the supermarkets that are from that area called Metropolitan. Mm, and favorite. it's kind of like a, a upscale, you know, Whole Foods or whatever. And uh, they have the best bakery. Well, they have the best everything, period. Mm -hmm. But in the bakery, they have the cookie. It's called the, the cookie. cookie. It doesn't have any other name. And it's basically a chocolate chip cookie, but it literally melts in your mouth. It is amazing. But that's so, a that's a really good tip anyway for travelers to Seattle. If you're looking for a light lunch, you don't need to go to a, a restaurant necessarily. Mm -mm. If there's a metropolitan nearby, head in there. They have an excellent deli. They'll make sandwiches right on the spot. They make big big lunches as well, but we always got a, basically a soup and a salad. Yeah. The soup is hot, delicious, homemade. 
ready to go. Uh, and then of course there's the bakery and a patisserie, a cheese counter. You can find more than more than you could possibly eat for lunch. And I would say that people who would really enjoy going there would be business travelers because, you know, you get tired of going out and eating all the time when you're traveling for business. So you can go to a Metropolitan. You can even order a prime rib dinner. I mean, That's they true. have amazing food. And then you get it all packaged up and you can take it back to your hotel room and, and it's all done for you. And it's, I mean, it's amazing. So I would say business travelers would really, really I, everybody would enjoy going there, but that would be a good place for business travelers, especially. Um, of course, there's Pike Place Market. There's French restaurants. There are, you name it, you can get it in Seattle. I mean, it's one of those places that uh, chefs like to live um, and go along with Portland. I think it's very, very chefy. Chefy. And so you can find everything from tapas and small plates to, um, international cuisine. It's just, it's just an amazing food place. And it even has things like drive-ins. There are tons of drive-ins, the greasy little spoons that are fun to eat into great breakfast restaurants. Um, probably the oldest, longest running um, drive-in is Dick's drive-in, which you can't miss. It's kind you of, have to go. Yeah. It's an iconic drive-in just the way it, it was in the fifties. And you know, it's got, it's, it's a greasy spoon hands down, but it's got great, um, great hamburgers. And apparently the buns are made locally and the patties are never frozen. And it's just one of those places that if you like a greasy, soggy fry hamburger yeah. that just brings you back to your childhood, your teenage years, especially, you know, when you drive up in your old beat, beat up car, this is the place for you. Yeah. So the big question always is, is it really that good? Or is it just because you've had so many beers on a late night visit that you think it's so good? And I don't, I don't know. know. We've had it during the day and I oh. liked it. Yeah, exactly. Greasy so, burger. So before you go, if you're going to, if you're a foodie, you really want to do some research because there are, depending on what you like, you can find it in Seattle and it'll be just amazing. Yeah, so They have everything. They even have a great Jewish deli there. Oh, which we go to we, frequently. Pretty much if we're in town and we haven't had it in a while, we're heading to Dingfelder's mm -hmm. for a hot pastrami sandwich. And it is piled high with in-house smoked pastrami so good, and homemade bread. It's excellent. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Good, good memory. Didn't want to leave the food section without a little plug for Dingfelders. All right. So I think we should move on to things that you want to do in Seattle. Again, as Jim mentioned, it's a quirky place. It is. So probably the, the quirkiest is Fremont. Fremont is just such a cool neighborhood. It's very hip. It's very laid back at the same time. It's, it's eclectic. They've got lots of different, like the vintage mall is there. If you're looking for old clothes, just so cool. All it's the, got a lot of old album stores. Yeah, exactly. LPs. Uh, of course they have a Sunday market, which is all of that. Plus antiques, food trucks, coffee. Yeah. Naturally. Coffee, super popular. Everything. And it's just fun to walk around. Everybody's got their dogs. It's usually raining. I mean, it is Seattle. It's Seattle. That's why it's <laughs> green all the time. It's, it's so always much raining. fun. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I would say that is one of our favorite places, period. Um, one of our other favorite places is the Ch Chittenden Locks. 
because it's just, it's one of those places that Seattle's known for. Seattle's known for its salmon. It's a salmon area that has been processing it for years and years and years. So they have the salmon that go through the locks and, you know, it's just, you could view the salmon through the locks. It's a great place to take a picnic. There are food trucks out there. There are food trucks everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. There's food everywhere. Yeah. It's just a great place to get out and walk around. Um, Seattle is known for being right on the water, of course, and for the houseboats and the sailboats and all of the shipping that's up in the lakes, they have to be able to get out to the ocean. And so they've got these locks that were built by the Corps of Engineer. And yes, that's they've got salmon ladders built in so the salmon can still get back and forth and they keep a salmon run going, which is really cool. But even if the salmon aren't running, it's just a great place to go and watch the the boats and the ships going in and out of the locks and watch the whole process. And Super get cool. one of those Dingfelder sandwiches and go out there. That's right. It's an excellent <laughs> place for a picnic. <laughs> um, okay. So if you know anything about Seattle, you know about the Space Needle, of course. Well, the Space Needle, you know, in my, before I really knew anything about Seattle, I just assumed it was a, a big, huge tower that had a revolving restaurant. Yep. But it's not just that. It has lots of things to do inside it. There are museums. um, The Chihuly Museum is there or Garden is there. There's a pop culture museum. There's definitely pop-up museums that go in there than different different kinds of exhibits. Um, There's Mm -hmm. the International Fountain, Pacific Science Center. And of course, that's where you take the monorail to downtown. IMAX theaters. There's so much going on into the Seattle center that you could easily spend a day there. You could. And if it's a, if it's going to be in the middle of summer on a hot day, have your kids bring their bathing suits to change into because that, that fountain is so much fun to run through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Chihuly is from the Seattle area. And so you will find lots of Chihuly like things all over. He's from Tacoma and there's a big museum there. And what, well, I think our favorite place to see Chihuly because it's just so weird <laughs> is that there's a McDonald's in Tacoma right downtown yeah. and hanging from the ceiling is a Chihuly uh, sculpture, sculpture made out of glass. And it's gorgeous. Okay, and- so for people who don't know, Dale Chihuly is a uh, glass artist. So blowing artist. Yeah. So he works with glass, blown glass, things like that. Now he doesn't anymore because he had, there was an accident and he went blind, but he still has like a whole cadre of artists that work with him and, and around him. And the whole Northwest area, Seattle specifically and Tacoma is just known for its glass Glass art art. And it's incredible. And it in is fact, incredible. One of the schools that I subbed in when I was subbing in Tacoma area, it was a middle school and they had a glass, uh, a glass shop where kids could learn how to blow glass and create glass art. Yeah. It's a big thing in the whole Seattle area. So it's well worth taking a look. Yeah. So you'd have to get into the Chihuly garden and the glass museum at the Seattle center. It is incredible. Just the amount, the sheer amount of glass that they've got in there, let alone, you know, the different sculptures and how beautiful it is and how it interacts with the light. I just love that place. I could spend hours in there. Don't go to the Seattle Washington area without doing some Chihuly things. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just spectacular. Of course there's Pike place market. It's an indoor market where there's lots of stalls, everything from throwing the fish right. to trying different kinds of foods. 
going across and having the little cheesecakes. Those are my favorite. The flower market and there's a flower market. There's lots to do. And plus Pike's Place Market is up the escalators from like the Seattle Aquarium and right down on the dock. So it's easy to get around. There are so many restaurants in that area, but every kind of restaurant you can imagine. We love a little French restaurant there. Um, We'll put it in the notes. And uh, there's just tons to do. Tons of little uh, brewery bars, brew pubs, those kind of things. Yeah. Well, the um, whole area is like the heart of downtown. It Pike is the place, heart, Down to yeah. the waterfront and then out towards the Seattle Center. Now, the Seattle Aquarium is, I would say that's mainly something if you have a family or if you have kids. Yeah, um, there are I think some, so. It's, it's a very Northwest type of aquarium. It, it, it does have things from all over, but not a whole lot. I mean, it mainly is showing the salmon uh, life cycle. It's showing the the jellyfish that live in the Seattle right. waters. It's more of a, a local, yeah. And it's really cool and really fun. And of course, it's interactive, and the kids can put their hands in the water and touch the the fish and things like that. Um, well worth going to. One of my favorite places is the Klondike Gold Rush National Historic Park. Yeah, we've mentioned the Klondike Gold Rush a couple of times, and like it's like we said, you can't. Talk about the Klondike Gold Rush without talking about That's Seattle. Right. And the place to go to learn all about it, of course, is that National Historic Park. It's in, it's in an old uh, 1800s building, and they've got that place just packed full of exhibits and artifacts. And it definitely does an excellent job of telling the story. Probably about an hour. It's a free visit. You don't have to pay for it. You do need to find a place to park or, of course, take the bus. But it's a national park, so you can get a stamp for your passport. Two places that I think are kind of unusual things to put on a things to do in Seattle list is one is the Seattle Public Library. It is a state of the art library and it and Washington is one of the most literate states in the United States. It is a very um, book slash nerd slash yeah, that's true you know kind of intellectual center and so i think that the seattle public library which is stunning it's a beautiful building inside and out yeah is is definitely some place to start i mean it's a great place to go get some free internet and plus be in wonderful surroundings read the paper just relax it's really really yeah especially beautiful. if it is one of those really rainy northwest days which you're going to hit one of them if you're there a few days. <laughs> if nothing else, you're going to need to go to the bathroom at some point. They got nice, clean, beautiful bathrooms. Exactly. Yeah. It's well worth a visit. The other one is Gasworks Park. Is that the other one you're going to talk about? Oh, no. Well, like, why would you send someone to a Gasworks? That's what I always wondered until I went. Why was it even a park? Where, and why is it a park? But it is. It's this old industrial area where Gasworks were built in and they kept a lot of the equipment there and they've turned a lot of it into like an interactive playground area for kids. Well, and it's an Instagrammer's dream. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just all that old rusted equipment and even the new stuff, even the old stuff that they've like renovated and painted. It's just so cool looking with all of its pipes and gears and wheels. And it's just massive and beautiful. But above all that, that is probably the best view of Seattle from the ground, from the Gasworks Park. A good place to go find some of that to go food and take a picnic because yeah. you'll spend more time out there than you ex- than you expect to spend. If you have kites, it's a big kite flying place. Like I said, it's an Instagrammer's dream because of all the rusty 
ironwork. It's just really a cool place in general. Um, good place. A lot of people go there for Fourth of July to watch July. the fireworks and Kite stuff. Kite flying. Yeah. No, the place I was going to mention. Yeah, is, there's you one know, other place. Uh, the, the, well, there's a few. There's a few places. I mean, San, Seattle is just a technologist dream. You know, com- computers galore. And what else was started in Seattle? Amazon. Amazon. Like I said, it's a book place, and it makes sense that. Amazon started out as an online bookstore and that Amazon. Would... Yeah, I wonder how many people still know that today. Yeah, well, that's how it started out. That's right. And now it's, it, 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 it's the forefront of online stores, period. Right. Right. And one of the things that it has, and it started in Seattle and they may have more now across the nation is the Amazon go store, which you just walk into the store and you get what you want and you walk out. And everything's done in the and background. Everything's done in the background, and you've paid for it with your card, and you don't have to worry about lines. You don't have to worry about anything. It's so it's very interesting, cool. But the Amazon headquarters itself is a cool place to but visit. It is with this with the glass spheres, which mm-hmm. you can the garden spheres set up a visit to, uh, and it's got a nice little interactive area inside for kids. It's just a cool. Like indoor arboretum. Arboretum. Yeah. Very, very neat. Um, I'm sure there are more things that we can think of. There is a gum wall that people love to go to. It's got a whole underground area. There's the underground city, which is a huge tour to take. If you're going to take any tour in Seattle, you want to take that one. It really talks about the sort of the sordid history and all the, you know, gangsters and things like that that lived in Seattle. Um, Pretty cool stuff. There's so much to do there that we just can't possibly list it all. But what we can tell you is that you want to you want to plan a minimum, a minimum of two to three days in Seattle, For just sure. Seattle. There, there's plenty to do in the nearby area. So you could go to Washington for a week, for two weeks, and you would be. You would never run out of things You would never to do. run out of things to do. But spend at least a couple of days in, in Seattle itself. And if you've got a lot of time, then you're going to want to take a ferry out to one of the islands, Bainbridge, Bainbridge Islands, or uh, to Vancouver Island. Or San Juan Islands, or the San Juan which are Islands. phenomenal. But even if you don't have a lot of time, I still recommend to everybody to ride the ferry out to Bainbridge Island, grab some lunch, just explore. It's got a nice little downtown area right there by the ferry, get back on the ferry, and then head back to Seattle, because that is the other best view of the Seattle skyline is coming in by ferry. Uh, and that's probably the easiest ferry to go out and come back on. And, and and it really is easy. So my mother, who is just turned 90, came out two years ago to visit us. And we were like, what, you know, what can you do with a 90 year old? Well, my mom likes to just take beautiful drives. So we're like, okay, we're going to take her on the ferry because ferries are iconic for Washington state and Seattle. And doing what Jim just described was her absolute favorite thing because we got on the ferry and we happened to be the place that they parked us was like yeah, the perfect right view. She didn't even have to get out of the car to see the views of the Seattle um, Space Needle and just the whole the waterfront. waterfront. The it was spectacular. Gorgeous. And if you talk to her today, she will tell you that was her favorite thing. So I agree with you. That's like a number one thing to do. But the ferry, the San Juan Islands are amazing. You could go out there for a couple of days. You There are ferries everywhere. You just really want to look. You go a little bit north of 
um, Seattle to Bellingham, and you can even take a ferry all the way to Alaska, which is a fantastic thing to do. And we'll talk about in another podcast because it's we've done it. I think we've done it four times. Um, that's how much we love it. There's three national parks in the area, Rainier, which is the huge volcano that kind of looks out over Seattle. You can see from the city, from a lot of places in the city, the Cascades further north, uh, Olympic National Park out on the peninsula. You could easily spend a week at the Olympic Peninsula for sure. Uh, Rainier is a really good day trip up and down the mountain. Cascades is more of a... I think it's more of a road trip kind of a... A road trip and a hiking area, backcountry area. And a hiking area. area. Or, and you can go kayaking there too. Yeah, but beautiful um, but you scenery want, regardless. But you can take the Casco, Cascade Loop Highway, which is a Washington road trip that really you have to do in the summer, maybe late spring, early fall kind of time mm-hmm. because it can get closed. And I think it's closed until like the end of April or something. Um, but we're talking spectacular views that goes right through the North Cascades National Park. Um, so you can stop there, of course, and see, and do some things in that area. Skagit Valley, only about an hour north of Seattle, is the farming mecca of washington state flowers produce everything and if you are there at the right time then of course it's tulips and fields and fields covered in tulips just beautiful so there is so much to do in the area we mentioned heading to tacoma you could easily spend a day in tacoma at the museum of glass checking out the downtown stop at the pacific bonsai museum uh, an incredible display of bonsai trees rhododendron so uh, rhododendron gardens right next to mm-hmm. it yeah, easily spend a day there. So much to do. We could probably spend another three podcasts just telling you things to do in Washington. But for this one, it's all about Seattle. If you haven't been to Seattle, then hopefully you've got everything you needed from this podcast for your first time visit. I think we probably mentioned a lot more than people would be able to pack into a three-day weekend. But that uh, gives but you some choice. Choose. That's right. You're going to have a great time in Seattle. We love it. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Streets and Eats. If you liked what you heard, please show us some love, hit the like button and leave us a review, maybe even subscribe so you don't miss any future podcasts. Also, we'd love it if you joined us on our Facebook private group, Streets and Eats, where we just have an ongoing conversation about all things travel. Ciao for now.